You can support Sapphire Planet by visiting the online store at sapphireplanet.com. Welcome. Your journey is just beginning. now entering the Sapphire Planet. You are now in the Sapphire Planet. Vikings were Nordic seafarers, mainly speaking the Old Norse language, who raided and traded from their northern European homelands across wide areas of northern central and eastern Europe during the late 8th to the late 11th centuries. The term is also commonly extended in modern English and other vernaculars to the inhabitants of Viking home communities during what has become known as the Viking Age. This period of Nordic military, mercantile, and demographic expansion constitutes an important element in the early medieval history of Scandinavia, Estonia, the British Isles, France, Kiev and Rus, and Sicily. Facilitated by advanced seafaring skills and characterized by the longship, Viking activities at time also extended into the Mediterranean, North Africa, the Middle East, and Central Asia. Following extended phases of primarily sea or riverborne exploration, expansion and settlement, Viking or Norse communities were established in diverse areas of Northwestern Europe, European Russia, the North Atlantic Islands, and as far as the northeastern coast of North America. This period of expansion witnessed the wider decimation of Norse culture while simultaneously introducing strong foreign cultural influences into Scandinavia itself with profound developmental implications in both directions. 
popular modern conceptions of the Vikings. The term frequently applied casually to their modern descendants and the inhabitants of modern Scandinavia often strongly differ from the complex picture that emerges from archaeology and the historical sources. A romanticized picture of Vikings as noble savages began to emerge in the 18th century. This developed and became widely propagated during the 19th century Viking revival. Perceived views of the Vikings as alternately violent, piratical heathens, or as intrepid adventurers owe much of conflicting varieties of the modern Viking myth that has taken shape by the early 20th century. Current popular representations of the Vikings are typically based on cultural cliches and stereotypes complicating modern appreciation of the Viking legacy. The Viking Age is the period from the late 8th century to the mid-11th century in European history, especially Northern European and Scandinavian history, following the Germanic Iron Age. It is the period of history when Scandinavian Norsemen explored Europe by its seas and rivers for trade, raids, colonization, and conquest. In this period, the Norsemen settled in the Norse Greenland, Newfoundland, and present-day Faroe Island, Iceland, Norway, Scotland, England, Ireland, the Netherlands, Germany, Ukraine, Russia, and Turkey. Though Viking travelers and colonists were seen at many points in history as brutal raiders, many historical documents suggest that their invasions of other countries was retaliation in response to the encroachment upon tribal lands by Christian missionaries and perhaps by the Saxon wars prosecuted by Charlemagne and his kin to the south. or were motivated by overpopulation, trade inequities, and the lack of viable farmland in their homeland. Information about the Viking Age is drawn largely from what has been written about the Vikings by their enemies and primary sources of archaeology, supplied with secondary sources like the Icelandic sagas. In England, the beginning of the Viking Age is dated to June 8th, 793, when Vikings destroyed the Abbey on Lindisfarne, a center of learning on the island off the northeast coast of England in Northumberland. Monks were killed in the Abbey, thrown into the sea to drown, or carried away as slaves along with the church treasures, giving rise to the traditional but unattested prayer, Afura Norma Morin Libera Nos Domini, 
free us from the furry of the Northmen, Lord. Three Viking ships had beached in Weymouth Bay four years earlier, although due to a scribal error, the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle dates this event to 787 rather than 789. But that incursion may have been a trading expedition that went wrong rather than a piratical raid. Lindisfarne was different. The Viking devastation of Northumbria's holy island was reported by the Northumbrian scholar Alcune of York, who wrote, Never before in Britain has such a terror appeared. Vikings were portrayed as uniformly violent and bloodthirsty by their enemies. The chronicles of medieval England portrayed them as rapsious wolves among sheep. The first challenges to the many anti-Viking images in Britain emerged in the 17th century. Pioneering scholarly works on the Viking Age reached a small readership in Britain. Archaeologists began to dig up Britain's Viking past. Linguists traced the Viking Age origins of rural idioms and proverbs. New dictionaries of the Old Norse language enabled more Victorians to read the Icelandic sagas. In Scandinavia, the 17th century Danish scholar, Tarmus Bartholin and Ole Worm, and Swedish scholar Olas Rudbeck were the first to use runic inscriptions and Icelandic sagas as primary historical sources. During the Enlightenment and Nordic Renaissance, historians such as the Icelandic Norwegian Thormodus Torfius, Danish Norwegian Ludwig Holberg, and Swedish Olaf von Dahlen developed a more rational and pragmatic approach to historic scholarship. By the latter half of the 18th century, while the Icelandic sagas were still used as an important historical sources, the Viking Age had again come to be regarded as a barbaric and uncivilized period in the histories of the Nordic countries. Not until the 1890s, during Victoria's reign in Britain, did scholars outside Scandinavia begin to extensively reassess the achievements of the Vikings, recognizing their artistry, technological skills, and seamanship. Until recently, however, the history of the Viking Age was still largely based on Icelandic sagas, the history of the Danes, written by Saxo Grammaticus, the Kivian Rus primary chronicles, and the war of the Irish with the foreigners. Today, most scholars take these texts as sources not to be understood literally and are relying more on concrete archeological findings 
numanistic matics and other direct scientific disciplines and methods. Now for some historical background. The Vikings who invaded Western and Eastern Europe were chiefly pagans from Denmark, Norway, and Sweden. They also settled in the Faroe Islands, Ireland, Iceland, peripheral Scotland, Greenland, and Canada. Their North Germanic language, Old Norse, became the mother tongue of the present-day Scandinavian languages. By 1801, a strong central authority appears to have been established in Jutland, and the Danes were beginning to look beyond their own territory for land, trade, and plunder. In Norway, mountainous terrain and fjords formed along natural boundaries. Communities there remained independent of each other, unlike the situation in Denmark, which is lowland. By 800, some 30 small kingdoms existed in Norway. The sea was the easiest way of communications between the Norwegian kingdoms and the outside world. It was the 8th century that Scandinavians began to build ships of war and send them on raiding expeditions to initiate the Viking Age. The North Sea rovers were traders, colonizers, and explorers, as well as plunderers. Viking Expansion is the process by which the Vikings sailed most of the North Atlantic, reaching south to North Africa and east to Russia, Constantinople, and the Middle East as looters, traders, colonists, and mercenaries. Vikings under Leif Erikson, the heir to Eric the Red, reached North America and set up a short-lived settlement in present-day Nanawax Meadows, Newfoundland, and Labrador, Canada. Longer and more established settlements were formed in Greenland, Iceland, Great Britain, and Normandy. There is much debate among historians about what drove the Viking expansion. One widely held idea is that it was a quest for retaliation against continental Europeans for their previous invasions of Viking homelands, such as Charmelaine's campaign to force Scandinavian pagans to convert to Christianity by killing anyone who refused to become baptized. Historians have observed it is not a coincidence if the early Viking activity occurred during the reign of Charlemagne those who favor this explanation point out that the penetration of Christianity into Scandinavia caused serious conflicts and divided Norway for almost a century. However, the first targets of Viking raids was not the Frankish kingdom, but Christian monasteries in England, which seems inconsistent with vengeance as a motive, but would be consistent with religious warfare. 
Another idea is that the Viking population has exceeded the agricultural potential of the homeland. This may have been true of Western Norway. There were very few reserves of land, but it is unlikely the rest of Scandinavia was experience of famine. Alternately, some scholars propose that Viking expansion was driven by a youth bulge effect, since the eldest son of a family customarily inherited the family's entire estate. Young persons and younger sons had to seek their fortune by emigrating or engaging in raids. Some scholars suggest that the Vikings emigrated due to the attractiveness of owning more land rather than the necessity of having it. However, no rise in population, youth bulge, or decline in agriculture production during this period has been definitely demonstrated, nor is it clear why such pressures would have prompted expansion overseas rather than to the vast uncultivated forest areas of the interior of the Scandinavian peninsula. Although perhaps emigration or sea raids may have been easier or more profitable than clearing large areas of forest for farm and pasture in a region with a limited growing season. An idea that avoids these shortcomings is that the Scandinavians might have practiced selective procreation leading to a shortage of women, and that the Vikings' main motive for immigration was to acquire wives. Although this would not explain why the Vikings chose to settle in other countries rather than bring the women back to them, to Scandinavia. It is also possible that a decline in profitability of old trade routes drove the Vikings to seek out new, more profitable ones. Trade between Western Europe and the rest of Eurasia may have suffered after the Roman Empire lost its Western provinces in the fifth century, and the expansion of Islam in the seventh century may have reduced trade opportunities within Western Europe by redirecting resources along the Silk Road. Trade in the Mediterranean was at its lowest level in history when the Vikings began their expansion. The Viking expansion opened up new trade routes in the Arab and Frankish lands and took control of trade markets previously dominated by the Frisians after the Franks destroyed the Frisian fleet. Viking settlements in Ireland and Great Britain are thought to have been primarily male enterprises. However, some graves showed nearly equal male-female distribution. Disagreement is partly due to method of classification. Previous archaeologically often guessed biological sex from burial artifacts, whereas modern archaeology may use osteology to find biological sex and isotope analysis to find origin. DNA sampling is usually not possible. The males buried during this period in a cemetery on the Isle of Man had mainly names of Norse origin, 
while the females there had names of indigenous origin. Irish and British women are mentioned in old texts on the founding of Iceland, indicating that the Viking explorers were accompanied there by women from the British Isles who either came along voluntarily or were taken by force. Genetic studies of the population in the Western Isles of the Isle of Skye also show that the Viking settlements were established mainly by male Vikings who mated with women from the local population of these places. However, not all Viking settlements were primarily male. Genetic studies of the Shetland population suggest that family units consisting of Viking women as well as men were the norm among the migrants to these areas. This may be because areas like Shetland Island, being closer to Scandinavia, were more suitable targets for family migrations, while frontier settlements further north and west were more suitable for groups of unattached male colonizers. During the reign of King Berritric of Wessex, 786 to 802, three ships of Northmen landed at Portland Bay in Dorset, England. The local Reavy mistook the Vikings for merchants and directed them to the nearby royal estate, but the visitors killed him and his men. The earliest recorded planned Viking raid on January 6th, the year 793, targeted the monastery on the island of Lindisfarne off the northeast coast of Northumbria. According to the 12th century Anglo-Norman chronicler, Simon of Durham, the raiders killed the resident monks and carried away some of the church's treasures. In the year 875, after enduring eight decades of repeated Viking raids, the monks fled Lindisfarne, carrying the relics of St. Cuthbert with them. In the year 794, according to the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle, a small Viking fleet attached a rich monastery at Jarrow, England. The Vikings met with stronger resistance than they had expected. Their leaders were killed. The raiders escaped only to have their ships beached at Tynemouth and the crews killed by locals. This represented one of the last raids on England for about 40 years. The Vikings focused instead on Ireland and Scotland. In the year 865, a group of uncoordinated bands of predominantly Danish Vikings joined together to form a large army and landed in East Anglia. The Anglo-Saxon Chronicle described this force as the Great Heathen Army and went on to say that it was led by Ivar the Boneless, and Halfdan. The army crossed the Midlands into Northumbria and captured York. In the year 871, the great heathen army was reinforced by what is now known as the Great Summer Army, 
One of its leaders was Guthrum. In the year 875, the great heathen army split into two bands, with Guthrum leading one back to Wessex and Halfdan taking his followers north. Then in the year 876, Halfdan shared out Northumbrian lands amongst his men, who plowed the land and supported themselves. This land was part of what became known as the Danelaw. Most of the English kingdoms, being in turmoil, could not stand against the Vikings, but King Alfred of Wessex defeated Guthrum's army at the Battle of Eddington in the year 878. There followed the Treaty of Wedmore the same year and the Treaty of Alfred and Guthrum in 886. These treaties formalized the boundaries of the English kingdoms and the Vikings' Danelaw territory with provisions for peaceful relationships between the English and the Vikings. Despite these treaties, conflict continued on and off. However, Alfred and his successors eventually drove back the Viking frontier and retook the land of York. A new wave of Vikings appeared in England in the year 947, when Eric Bloodaxe captured York. The Viking presence continued through the reign of the Danish prince, Newt the Great, after which a series of inheritance arguments weakened the hold and power on Newt's heirs. When King Edward the Confessor died in the year 1066, the Norwegian king Harald Haudarada challenged his successor as King of England. Harold Godwinson Haudarada was killed and his Norwegian army defeated by Harald Godswinson on September 25, 1066, at the Battle of Stamford Bridge. Harold Godwinson himself died when William the Conqueror defeated the English army at the Battle of Hastings in October of the year 1066. William was crowned the King of England on December 25, 1066. However, it was several years before he was able to bring the kingdom under his complete control. In the year 1070, the Danish king Sven Estradison sailed up the Humber with an army in support of Edgar the Etheling, the last surviving male member of the English royal family. However, after capturing York, Sven accepted a payment from William to desert Edgar. Five years later, one of Swen's sons set sail for England to support another English rebellion, but it had been crushed before the expedition arrived. So they settled for plundering the city of York and the surrounding area before returning home. In the year 1085, Swen's son, now Canute IV of Denmark, planned a major invasion against England but the assembled fleet never sailed. No further serious Danish invasion or raids on England occurred after this. 
Note that not all of Norse arriving in Ireland and Great Britain came as raiders. Many arrived with families and livestock, often in the wake of the capture of territory by their forces. The population then merged over time by intermarriage into the Anglo-Saxon population in these areas. Many words in the English language come from old Scandinavian languages showing the importance of this contact. Scotland was also raided. The monastery at Iona on the west coast was first raided in the year 794 and had to be abandoned some 50 years later after several devastating attacks. While there are few records from the earliest period, it is believed that the Scandinavian presence in Scotland increased in the 1830s. The isles to the north and west of Scotland were heavily colonized by Norwegian Vikings, Shetland, Orkney, and the Hebrides came under Norse control, sometimes as fiefs under the King of Norway, and at other times as separate entities under variously the kings of the isles. The earldom of Orkney and the later kings of Man and the Isles. Shetland and Ornicky were the last of these to be incorporated into Scotland in as late as the year 1468. Wales was not colonized by the Vikings significantly as in Eastern England. The Vikings did, however, settle in small numbers in the south around St. David's, Haverford West, and Gower. Place names such as Skokholm, Skomer, and Swansea remain as evidence to the Norse settlements. The Vikings, however, were not able to set up a Viking state control or control the country of Wales, owing to the powerful forces of Welsh kings, and unlike Scotland, the aristocracy was relatively unharmed. Nevertheless, following the successful Viking alliance with Brittany in the year 865, the Britons made their peace with the Danes and the Vikings-Welsh alliance in the year 878, defeated the Anglo-Saxon army from Mercia. Although the Welsh had been longtime enemies of the Anglo-Saxon kingdom of Mercia, their relationship with the Anglo-Saxon kingdom of Wessex was somewhat warmer. The Anglo-Saxon Chronicle for the year 893, for example, refers to the Vikings being pursued by combined forces of West Saxons and North Welsh along the River Severn. The combined Anglo-Saxon and Welsh army eventually overtook the Vikings before defeating them in the Battle of Buddingham. The city of Swansea was founded by the imperialist Sven Forkbeard, king of Denmark, who by the year 1013 was king of the Danes, Anglo-Saxon, and Norwegians. Swansea is a corruption of the Norse Sven E, which means Swens Island. The island refers to the area around the estuary to the River Twa. The neighboring Gower Peninsula had some place names of Norse origins, such as Wormshead, 
Worm, by the way, is the Norse word for dragon, as the Vikings believed that the serpent-shaped island was a sleeping dragon. 22 miles west of Cardiff, on the Vale of Galmorgan coast, is the semi-flooded island of Tusker Rock, which takes its name from Tusca, the Viking who established the settlement in that area. The Vikings conducted extensive raids in Ireland and founded many towns, including Dublin, Limerick, Wexford, Waterford, Wicklow, Arklow, and Lexlip. Literature, crafts, and decorative styles in Ireland and Britain reflect, reflected Scandinavian culture. Vikings traded at Irish markets in Dublin. Excavations found imported fabrics from England, Byzantine, Persia, and Central Asia. Dublin became so crowded by the 11th century that houses were built outside the town walls. The Vikings pillaged monasteries on Ireland's west coast in 795 and then spread out to cover the rest of the coastline. The north and east of the Isles were the most affected. During the first 40 years, the raids were conducted by small, mobile Viking groups. From the year 830 on, the groups consisted of large fleets of Viking ships. From 840, the Vikings began establishing permanent bases at the coasts. Dublin was the most significant settlement in the long term. The Irish became accustomed to the Viking presence and culture. In some cases, they became allies, and they also intermarried. In the year 832, a Viking fleet of about 120 ships under Churgesis invaded kingdoms on Ireland's northern and eastern coast. Some believe that the increased number of invaders coincided with the Scandinavian leaders' desires to control the profitable raids on the western shores of Ireland. During the mid-830s, raids began to push deeper into Ireland. Navigable waterways made this deeper penetration possible. After the year 840, the Vikings had several bases in strategic locations throughout Ireland. In the year 838, a small Viking fleet entered the River Liffey in Eastern Ireland, probably led by the chieftain Saxolb, who was killed later that year. The Vikings set up a base, which the Irish called Longsports. This Longport would eventually become Dublin. After this interaction, the Irish experienced Viking forces for about 40 years. The Vikings also established long forts in Cork, Limerick, Waterford, and Wexford. The Vikings were driven out of Ireland for a short period around the year 900, but returned to Waterford in the year 914 to found what would become Ireland's first city. 
The other long forts were soon reoccupied and developed into cities and towns. The last major Irish battle involving Vikings was the Battle of Clontarf in the year 1014, in which a large force from the pan-Viking world and their Irish allies opposed Brian Boru, then the High King of Ireland and his forces, a small contingent of which were Viking defectors. The battle was fought in what was now Dublin suburb of Clontarf on Good Friday of the year. Boru, the Irish High King, had allowed the Viking King of Dublin, Sigtrig Silkbeard, one year to prepare for his coming assault. Silkbeard responded by offering the bed of his mother to several Viking lords from Scandinavia, Ireland, and Britain. The savage melee between the heavily mailed nurse and the unarmored yet undaunted gales ended in a rout of the Vikings and their Irish allies. Careful accounts were taken by both sides during the battle, and thus many famous warriors sought each other out for personal combat and glory. High King Brian, who was nearly 80, did not personally engage in the battle, but retired to his tent where he spent the day in quiet prayer. The Viking Broadear of Man chanced upon Brian's tent as he fled the field. He and a fellow and a few followers seized the opportunity and surprised the High King, killing the 80-year-old Brian before being captured. Brian's foster son, Wolf the Quarrelsome, later tracked down and dispatched Broadear by disembowelment. Wolf, watching as Brodeer marched and wounded his own innards around the trunk, wound his own innards around the trunk of a large tree. The battle was fairly matched for most of the day, and each side had great respect for the prowess of the other. However, in the end, the Irish forced the Norse to return to the sea. Many of the fleeing Vikings were drowned in the surf due to their heavy male coats as they struggled for safety of their longships. Others were pursued and slain further inland. After the battle, Viking power was broken in Ireland forever. Though many settled Norse remained in the cities and prospered greatly with the Irish through trade. With Brian dead, Ireland returned to the fractured kingdom it had once been, but was now cleared of further Viking predation. Now we go on to Europe. Normandy. The name of Normandy itself denotes a Viking origin. After their settlement when it becomes known as the Northmania or land of the Norsemen. The Viking presence in Normandy began with raids into the territory of the Frankish Empire from the middle of the 9th century. Viking raids extended deep into the Frankish territory and included the sacking of many prominent towns such as Rouen, Paris, and the Abbey at Jumegus. The inability of the Frankish king Charles the Bald and later Charles the Simple 
to present to prevent these Viking incursions, forced them to offer vast payments of silver and gold to prevent any further pillage. These payoffs were short-lived, of course, and the Danish raiders would always return for more. The Dutch of Normandy was created for the Viking leader Rollo after he had besieged Paris. In the year 911, Rollo entered vassalage to the king of the West Franks, Charles the Simple, through the Treaty of St. Clair Surepti. This treaty made of Rollo the first Norman Count of Rouen. In addition, Rollo was to be baptized and marry Giselle, the illegitimate daughter of Charles. In exchange for his homage and fealty, Royal legally gained the territory which he and his Viking allies had previously acquired. The descendants of Rollo and his followers adopted the local Gallo-Romance languages and intermarried with the area's original inhabitants. They became the Normans, a Norman-French-speaking mixture of Scandinavians and indigenous Franks and Gauls. The language of Normandy heavily reflected the Danish influence, as many words, especially ones pertaining to seafaring, were borrowed from Old Norse or Old Danish. More than the language itself, the Norman toponymy remains a strong Nordic influence. Nevertheless, only a few archaeological traces have been found. Swords dredged out of the Sin River between the estuary and Ronan, the tomb of the female Viking at Pitras, and two Thor's hammers at St. Pierre de Varginville, and more recently, the hoard of Viking coins at St. Pierre des Fleurs. Rollo descendant William, Duke of Normandy, the Conqueror, became King of England after he defeated Harold Godswin's son and his army at the Battle of Hastings in October 1066. As King of England, William the Conqueror retained the fiefdom of Normandy for himself and his descendants. The kings of England made claim to Normandy as well as other possessions in France, which led to various disputes with the French. This culminated in the French confiscation of Gascony that precipitated what became known as the Hundred Years' War in the year 1337. West Francia and Middle Franca suffered more severely than East Franca during the Viking raids of the 9th century. The reign of Charles the Bald coincided with some of the worst of these raids, though he did take action by the Edict of Pristras in 864 to secure a standing army of cavalry under royal control to be called upon at times when necessary to fend off the invaders. He also ordered the building of fortified bridges to prevent inland raids. Nonetheless, the Bretons allied with the Vikings and Robert, the Margrave 
of Neustria and Ranulf of Acorcantine died in the Battle of Bisarth in 865. The king, the Vikings also took advantage of the civil wars which ravaged the Duchy of Aquantine in the early years of Charles' reign. In the year 840, Pepin II called the Vikings to aid him against Charles, and they settled at the mouth of Garni, as they did by the Lorry. Two dukes of Gascony, Seguin II and William I, died defending Bordeaux from Viking assaults. And later Duke Sancho Mitara even settled some of the mouth of the Ador near Bayonne in an act presaging that of Charles the Simple and the Treaty of St. Clair Surepti, by which the Vikings were settled in ruin, creating Normandy as a bulwark against other Vikings. In the 9th and 10th century, the Vikings raided largely defenseless Frisian and Frankish towns lying on the coast and along the rivers in the Low Countries. Although Vikings never settled in large numbers in these areas, they did set up long-term bases and were even acknowledged as lords in a few cases. They set up bases as St. Florent Le Ville at the mouth of the Lyre in Tallenberg on the mid charte also around Bayonne on the banks of the Adour, in Normature, and obviously on this river Sienne, in what would become Normandy. Antwerp was raided in the year 836. Later there were raids of Ghent, Kortorjik, Tournai, Levun, and areas around the Meuse River, the Rhine, the Rupel, and the tributaries of those rivers. Raids were conducted from bases established in the Silt, Walchisheren, Weinergen, and Edelberg. In Dutch and Frisian historical tradition, the trading center of Dorstad declined after Viking raids in the year 834 to 863. However, since no convincing Viking archaeology evidence has been found at the site, doubts about this have grown in recent years. One of the most important Viking families in the Low Countries was that of Rorik of Dorstad and his brother Harald. Around the year 850, Lothair I acknowledged Rorik as rulers of most of Friesland. And again in 870, Rorik was received by Charles the Bald, to whom he became a vassal. Viking raids continued during this period. Harold's son, Roldolf, and his men were killed by the people of Ustergo in the year 873. Rorik died sometime before the year 882. Buried Viking treasures consisting mainly of silver have been found in the Low Countries. Two such treasures have been found in Wirgen. A large treasure found in 1996 dates from around the year 850 and is thought perhaps to have been connected to Rorik. The burial of such valuable treasure is seen as an indication that there was a permanent settlement in Wirgen.
Viking raids of low countries continued for over a century. Remains of Viking attacks dating from the 1880s to 1890s have been found in Zetfin and Deventer. The last attack took place in Tiel in 1006 and Utrecht in 1007. Your journey is now ending. the Sapphire Planet. Goodbye from the Sapphire Planet. Own a piece of the planet. Now you can purchase Sapphire Planet merchandise online at sapphireplanet.com.